Chapter 35 Knockers and Selenium Regional Announcement Blaine has successfully challenged and defeated Herd Lord Hagen. Herd Lord Blaine has been promoted from knight to lord and claimed the lands as part of his new fife. The look of satisfaction on Yuna's face, after reading the system notice, was quickly replaced by concern. As she watched her husband's collapse, his ability to heal wounds had taken a toll on his magical and life energies, and although he was in no immediate danger of death, he was certainly unable to defend himself from unexpected or sneak attacks. If Hagen's people struck now, he would likely die. The water arena that had formed to contain the challenge collapsed. The water spitting out Blaine along with Hagen's corpse, in a stream of bloody water as it lost shape and function. The millions of gallons of water returned to the lake, the transition from arena to lake surface seamless. There was no giant splash, no waves forming from the sudden explosion of excess waters, just a bloody tinge of water that lapped at the beach, in counterpoint to the wind, a blood pool. Water that had been clearly tainted mixed quickly with the pristine waters of the lake until it was impossible to tell that a battle had just occurred. The last remnants of blood were absorbed as a tribute and sacrificed to Belisama. The absorbed blood that had been spilled, nourishing the plankton and plant life, making use of the life-giving properties and nutrients that Kelpie blood contained. There would be a benefit to the lake for allowing the gift of water to be used as an arena. An acceptance that this tribute of blood and viscera was the water's due. Belisama would take even what she hated and squeeze out something good and life-affirming. Una had moved to protect Blaine, his form instinctively transitioning completely to the Kelpie horse shape. Even though Thom's torture and treatment had locked him into the shape. It wasn't something he feared or avoided. The Kelpie respected all of their forms. Belisama had first created Kelpie in this shape. It was not a symbol of disgrace. It was a reminder of that first connection the Kelpie had to the divine. What Thom had done was try to remove choice and try to remove or restrain intelligence and self-identity. The form itself was comfortable, Safe, simply part of what it meant to be Kelpie. For all Kelpie, and assuming this shape, as he lost consciousness, was proof that Thom had not been able to destroy his essence or identity. He would be Kelpie, no matter the form. I strode over to kneel beside Blaine, extending my arms, resting a hand on his head, another on his throat. I channeled my magic into a healing spell, allowing the energies that I controlled to shape and meld flesh, bone, and restore life energies that had been expended. I could not restore the magical energies that he had depleted. Time would resolve that issue. But I could share a fraction of my life energies to restore balance and clarity. Blaine accepted the life energies I offered ravenously, his energies, almost completely consumed during the battle. His body was desperate to replace and rebuild his energy stores. For Una, 
It must have seemed as if an entirety had passed, waiting unable to help or shape circumstance, uncertain if her mate and the father of her children would survive. For me, it was only a few seconds. Blaney's energy levels were still at night rank, even though System had proclaimed his advancement to Lord rank. He hadn't had time to meditate, to incorporate his experience and gain the benefits of his new rank yet, so restoring him for me was trivial. His energy's a drop in the bucket, compared to the blazing furnace that gave life to a prince. A few breaths later, and he woke, his eyes clear and certain, no sense of ambiguity or incertitude present. He knew where he was, and that he had successfully completed and won the challenge. Still, he spent a few seconds reading his system messages until finally he was satisfied. Standing and transforming from one breath to the next into his humanoid form, he reached out to clasp Una's hand, before turning to confront the elders. A mated couple. They were Kelpie, that had been hand-fasted, and they meant to demonstrate that no matter what form they took, they were in agreement. Hands linked together, a statement to make certain there would be no misunderstanding. They spoke with one voice. Una's words were as intractable as Blaine's. Any conversation the observers had was immediately interrupted as the elders turned to enter the building, motioning for Blaine to follow. They left the rest of us to clean up, heal the wounded, and care for those grieving the loss of loved ones. Irvin took his opportunity to address me. Your Highness, Blaine and Una will need to stay and rebuild the community. After he incorporates the increases to level and rank and claims his rewards, they will become the Lord and the Lady. These herd lands will become pastures and lakes claimed and known as Bird Blenay. Alma and Briano are young, not yet having reached the age to complete ascension. I know my rank and level aren't high, but I would like to join your house, he said. Why would you want to leave your parents in this community? I wondered. The reasons remain the same as when we originally left. Also, Kelpie have the innate abilities to tend the land and waters. There are a few that are more intimately tied to our original purpose, to travel, learn, and grow. Belisama's original mandate still calls to a few of us to branch out and attempt to fulfill that original intent. She created a race to broker peace, a race of ambassadors, and for some of us, that desire still exists. Peace brokers can only flourish if they learn the cultures, bigotries, and motivations that foster feuds and rivalries. I have trained my skills and abilities to enhance those abilities that are most suited in forwarding Belisama's goals. Journeyman-level statesman, journeyman-level diplomacy, and journeyman-level negotiations. I admit that my training is incomplete, but I would ask that you accept me into your house and consider me 
when and if you establish your own fiefdom or kingdom as potentate. You will be needing skilled statesmen. I hope I can upgrade my skills and learn. Leveling those skills, I have seen your worth. You choose to protect the innocent and vulnerable. You trust that those with you are capable and intelligent enough to understand their own limits. You understand when to help, more importantly, when not to. That ability is crucial for any good leader. I would serve, not out of obligation or duty, but out of true affection and respect, he promised. It seems to me that you are surrounding yourself with talent and people that are young, those that have not been inured into the constraints and paths of history and precedence. Cedric, Euron, Lorne, they are all young. None have faced true loss or disillusionment yet. All are still open to fresh ideas and innovative thinking. I would offer my services into this pool of fresh young talent. Please, your highness, if I remain here, something, some part of my soul will atrophy, and that yearning to grow, to embrace Belisama's path, will die. I knew he was going to make the offer. The system reward for protecting the children had hinted towards this result. But I was happy to find that his decision to join my house was something he aspired to. I would have refused the offer if I felt he was being coerced or manipulated by his family or system. The fact that he had skills that would come in handy, that he had goals and plans that would seamlessly mesh with my own, and that he was perceptive enough to notice that I was attempting to surround myself with bright young talents and minds made my decision to accept his offer easy. The ritual to accept a member as a retainer of a house was very similar to that when accepting a vassal. Irvin was already in human form, so it was easy for him to kneel, bow his head, and cross his arms over his chest. Extending his hands to clasp mine, he gave his oath. This day, I, Irvin A. Blenay, do forswear all allegiance and pledge my duty to Prince T. Mac de Belleros, ye cryonax, as my liege lord. I will repay honor with honor, respect with respect, remaining true in all ways, serving you faithfully, asking that you accept my pledge as a member of House Belleros, ye cryonax. This I swear on my name. Let system judge if faith is broken. Bowing my head, I acknowledged his pledge. I responded, I, Tamak de Belaros, ye cryonax, accept your pledge of service and loyalty. Arise, Irvin R. Tay, retainer of my house. I return your pledge with my own vow. I will cherish your honor as my own, and I will return faith with faith. This I swear on my name. Let system judge if faith is broken. House announcement. Irvin R. Tay has been accepted and included and is now a member of House Tay. Irvin and I discussed his duties and my expectations for the next half hour. 
I was pleased that he wished to continue his education into statescraft and agreed to support those endeavors financially. House members weren't employees. Like vassals, they didn't work for me so much as with me. His talents would supplement my own. The fact that we were headed to the capital was advantageous. It was there that he might meet someone that would help him further his goals. While true, the most corrupt, insidious politicians of any world made the capital their home, there were also elder statesmen that were respected, even lionized, for their ability to broker deals. There was no guarantee that we would find a mentor for him, but as a member of a new royal house, the chances were considerable. My biggest concern would be finding someone to mentor him that wasn't steeped in tradition. So hidebound, they were unable to embrace new techniques and advantages. Eventually, when I formed my court, he would earn a salary commensurate with duties if he became part of that court. But as a house member, he was more of an investment, money spent to nurture him and his talents. He was free to pursue his own agenda, confident that his house would protect his interests and stand his shield if necessary. He wasn't adopted as an heir of the line, but he was family, a cousin that is valued. After our discussion, I left Cedric and Irvin to get better acquainted. They each had a unique status, one as first among vassals, one as the first member of House Tay. There was the normal male banter and bluster that you would expect from young men, and for all their age, they were really just stepping out of childhood and onto the path of adulthood. It was amusing to watch them begin forming the first true bonds of friendship. Sadly, it hadn't been a process that had been begun from the first. Something, perhaps status, had kept the two young men from any meaningful discourse. As young men do, their conversations segued into sexual intimacy. Not surprising. What was surprising was their willingness to appreciate the beauty found in either sex. C were bisexual and polygamists, for the most part. Monogamy existed, but it was rare. I wouldn't be surprised if they formed an intimate relationship at some point. We, rather I, was interrupted by Blaney. The two young men couldn't be bothered for something as inconsequential as real-world problems. It seemed sex made morons of males no matter what the species. I hadn't really expected to talk to Blaney again before we were ready to depart. He had his hands full, gathering the reins of power to assume his position as herdlord. My party and I were incidental at this point, acquaintances that were passing through, and unless fate intervened, the chances of us encountering each other again were slim. He would remain to govern his new lands, and I would move on to find mine. We would stay in contact. Our experiences demanded that, and if I ever needed to call on him, I could. We had shared blood. I was kin for him, and his. I could tell he was frustrated, but more than that, he was worried and afraid, uncertain how to approach whatever topic was creating such tension. He equivocated, almost dancing in place as he tried to work up the courage to explain the problem. Lord Blaney, I began, you would entrust your family to my protection. That would suggest that there is a trust between us that is not easily broken. 
Tell me, whatever it is, I promise not to hold you responsible and will give what aid I can. The words comforted him, and he was able to breathe a sigh of relief as he responded. There was more going on here than Hagen's betrayal of a few Kelpie. A crystal mine was discovered in one of the tributaries that fed the village. That in itself isn't really an issue, except for two related issues. Hagen and the elders neglected to inform Duke Adoin about this mine, so no taxis or teeth have been forwarded. Crystals that are owed as part of the contract the Kelpie agreed to for the right to settle these lands. And the mine opens into an underground dungeon. That dungeon was also not reported. This is even more of an egregious breach of faith, because in this instance, all dungeons must be reported and examined by representatives of the silly monarchs. The decision not to report the dungeon is idiotic, perhaps catastrophic. Our people would have received a finder's fee and a percentage of the profits from the management of the dungeon, but now, industrial production and capabilities of our people rely on dungeons. The combination of the crystal mine and a dungeon environment would have made for a profitable and significant manufacturing opportunity. If the stupidity had stopped there, that would have been bad enough. Some fines and increase in taxes, the crown oversight would have been levied, but the herd would have survived since Hagen was defeated in a challenge, and I discovered and reported the graft immediately. But the idiots have trapped a colony of knockers within the dungeon, residents governed by a governess, and forced them to hunt for meat and skins, and mine for rare metals, metals that include selenium. Carrot, what are knockers, and what makes selenium unique? I asked. Knockers are tinkerers of legend. They have the ability to make wondrous inventions, crafted wholesale from the stuff of dreams. They are related to goblins, and get their name from certain deformities that give them a gangly, knobbly appearance. They are considered as powerful as the Sealy because of their ability to weave dreams and create chimeras, monsters they feed as a prank on the Greek gods for some slight that had occurred. They are foul-tempered and perfectionist. Although they are capable of creating and fashioning metal marvels, they are never satisfied with what they create, always finding some small flaw that detracts from the creations that only their exacting nature can craft. Selenium, on the other hand, is a metal, rare and unique. It has the high magical conductive qualities of silver, as well as the corrosive resistance of aluminium. Further, it has the ability to retain flexibility and malleability that allows the metal to be repeatedly shaped until the magic charge is introduced. Then, it becomes stronger than mithril. It is the metal that allows armor to expand when needed and retract and store into trinkets or jewelry when not. The metal is tightly regulated because it makes interworld teleportation arrays more flexible and far-reaching. 
and if that isn't problem enough, Hagen has somehow gained control of Anoka Duchess. When I said they were as powerful as the Seelie, that included their tempers. Their wrath at this point will be prodigious. Blaney's concern is not for monies or fines. He is worried that she will unleash her anger and destroy the entire Kelpie herd. 